Welcome to the Strange Catholic Show. This week, we have a special guest, Dr. John Bergsma. He is professor of theology at Franciscan, Franciscan University of Steubenville, a former Protestant pastor. Dr. Bergsma entered the Catholic Church in 2001 while getting his PhD in Bible from the University of Notre Dame. A close collaborator of Dr. Scott Hahn, Bergsma speaks regularly on Catholic radio and at conferences in parishes nationally and internationally. He has authored over 20 books on scripture and the Catholic faith, including Bible Basics for Catholics from Ave Maria Press, Stunned by Scripture, How the Bible Made Me Catholic from Our Sunday Visitor, A Catholic Introduction to the Bible, Old Testament with Brant Petrie from Ignatius Press. And we're also going to be talking about the Word of the Lord, Sunday Mass readings for URA from Emmaus Press. And we'll also touch on Letters from Home, a podcast from St. Paul Center, and then we'll probably close with a really exciting announcement that St. Paul Center had uh, on Emmaus Academy. Dr. Bergsma, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. It's great to be on with you. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I can't say thank you enough for your flexibility and making this work and just really excited to be able to just catch up with you and see what's going on. And then, I, I mean, the insights that you draw out from the readings. So as a permanent deacon, I have the opportunity to preach occasionally. And when I do, I definitely use this as a resource. But what I, what I love about this is that it's it's also good for giving those that are walking through RCIA, especially like what you talk about for third, fourth Sunday of Lent, you know, talking about that walk towards baptism and helping all the parishioners recognize their own dignity as baptized Christians, that, you know, sharing of the divine life. That's something I like to share a lot when I preach. Um, but just that this is a good thing even for families to have in the homes, I really think, because if you did Lexio Divina, you do a little expansion from what's in here, it's going to really help not only the parents, but also the kids grab on to more what's happening in the scripture. And I think that's so important as families. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I was raised in a devout Protestant home and we had Bible reading around the table every night, um, uh, after dinner. And, uh, I still do that. Um, we're reading through Exodus right now because it's Lent. And so um, I have, have the kids take turns and, uh, you know, uh, Exodus works great because it's got 40 chapters and there's 40 days of Lent. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, wonderful to get into the word. And, and what was so surprising for me coming into the Catholic Church was how how much scriptural richness was there at every mass. And the more I've gotten into it and studied it over the years, it, it took a decade to write these four volumes, you know, on the um, uh, the Sunday Mass readings. And, uh, uh, you know, every every Sunday, every Lord's Day is it's like a whole world, you know, and and you could just camp out there and reflect, you know, indefinitely on all the meaning that arises when you put these uh, four readings in conversation, you know, the first reading, second reading, gospel, and the psalm, and you put them in conversation with each other, and and it's, uh, you know, the the whole is greater than the parts. You know, it's like, it's like putting four spices into the stew pot, and then new flavors arise that you didn't anticipate. And uh, just very, it's amazing. It's just amazing, yeah. Now, I'm glad you, I'm glad you've been enjoying it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, so I like to, I do a lot of prayer before I, I don't write down my homilies, so I'll practice it orally, but I, I just rely on the Holy Spirit to give me the words, which is a gift, and I thank God for that. But so, you know, I'll read through lots of different sources. I really, I've been a lot into Dr. John, uh, sorry, yeah, Dr. John 
sorry, doctor of the church, St. John Chrysostom, and then also uh, St. Francis de Sales. Uh, so I've oh, just yeah. been drawing different things. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, just bringing all these resources in. I think that's a good thing. And then bringing that out to those that we're preaching to, and especially RCIA, those that aren't even baptized when they're kind of immersing themselves in the word as they're getting out their elect, right? And they're getting closer right. and closer to Easter. And all of these things are happening. The scrutinies are coming up this Sunday. You know, there's just so much more richness that they can see as, you know, we're diving into the word more deeply and talking about and opening it up. It's just, I really think this is a, <laughs> there's a lot, uh, when you say it it's took 10 years, that makes sense to me because I've read through quite a few of it already. Um, it's amazing. I think it's just, an, uh, I would say this is one of the top resources for people to honestly have on the bookshelf uh, for each one of the years because it's so important to be able to immerse yourself in the word, no matter if you're just at home, you're reading it with your kids, you have anything to do with RCIA or you're preaching. I think this is an invaluable resource. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I just... Uh, the the typical homilist, you know, doesn't have the time to expound on everything that's there. You know, in, in football, we say leaving stuff on the field, you know, and uh, unfortunately, um, every Sunday we leave a lot of meaning on the field at the end of the homily because, you know, the 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 usual pastor gets, you know, 10 minutes generously, you know, <laughs> you know. Some guys like get five minutes from their congregation. They go, you know, it's terrible. And I think we need to change that, you know, because in Africa, uh, they give their preachers a lot longer in the in the Catholic churches there, and and they're disappointed if it's less than forty five minutes. So um, it's it's a lot of its cultural expectation, but um, yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, we need to build a tolerance for more preaching, but also take advantage of, of resources like this book. You know, for personal devotion, because um, Holy Mother Church is trying to tell us a lot every Sunday. And uh, we, you know, it's not like we, it's, we're not second class citizens when it comes to Bible, uh, as if like Baptists sit in the front of the bus and we Catholics have to get in the back. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, we're, we're first class citizens uh, when it comes to Scripture. And Holy Mother Church just knew what she was doing when, when she gave us the, uh, the three-year lectionary, which is one of the greatest gifts of Vatican II is really the, the three-year lectionary, which wasn't an innovation. It was, it was going back to the church fathers and going back to the patristic liturgies and the patristic lectionaries and trying to recover stuff that was uh, more commonplace, um, you know, in, in the early uh, church period. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just really uh, well put together, very thoughtful, um, and uh, I, I'm just am amazed at uh, the insight. Usually there's a typological relationship between the first reading and the gospel, where something going on in the first reading is anticipating the coming of Christ. And right. wow, um, you, you see so many dimensions of Christ's ministry when you realize that so much of the Old Testament was foreshadowing him or looking forward to him. Amen. Yeah. I only want to touch on this because this is also a resource I use often, uh, a Catholic introduction to the Bible, Old Testament. I, I just want to thank you very much. This is, a, I'm sure, a labor of, I can't imagine how much love went into this, uh, but this is also really good. Uh, just for personal study as well, it, it's really amazing to be able to see more, you know, dive even more deeply. Because I think 
I don't know, personally for me, a lot of what I was raised on growing up was a lot of New Testament. So this Old Testament stuff has been since I came into the church 13 years ago. So, you know, this is, I'm as I'm drawing from that well, I just think it's so important to continue to push ourselves to see how the new is kind of concealed in the old and we see the old revealed in the new again, again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that big uh, Old Testament introduction uh, was uh, conceived uh, in a hotel room uh, back in um, but probably 2008. And Brant Petrie and I were um, sharing a room with a couple other young scholars at a Society of Biblical Literature uh, conference, which is a big guild meeting for all the North American Bible scholars. And um, we were chatting about how, um, you know, in Protestant seminaries, they get this big hefty textbook for their Old Testament courses, whereas uh, our Catholic seminarians get these little paperbacks, you know, that that just breeze through uh, so many so many issues. And we thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could give our Catholic seminarians a, a textbook that could stand toe to toe with what evangelical Protestants are getting at Fuller or uh, Wheaton or, uh, you know, Gordon Conwell and these other famous um, uh, Protestant uh, seminaries. And uh, so he said, hey, you know, maybe we should write one. And uh, so we started looking for a publisher and uh, looking for funding so we could get time off to write. And uh, that was another uh, almost uh, 10 year process uh, of getting that that baby uh, going, but that was definitely a labor of love, and um, uh, I was the primary author on that volume. Uh, Dr. Petrie's drafting the first draft of the New Testament companion volume. People are asking all the time, "When's the New Testament volume going to come out?" <laughs> well, they need to ask Dr. Petrie. Perfect. <laughs> we'll ask yeah, him. <laughs> we're overdue, but uh, yeah, the Old Testament thing was more my wheelhouse, and um, definitely a labor of love. You know, I wrote wrote the chapters on on each uh, biblical book of the Old Testament, and every time I was done, I felt this sense of loss to move on because I just fell in love fell in love with each Old Testament book and didn't want to leave it. Um, each one is a world into itself and has this beautiful perspective on the faith, and uh, it becomes like a a personal friend um, when you work with it, kind of like. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe other people have had this experience of feeling sad when you get done reading The Hobbit, you know, or get feeling sad when you get done reading um, uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader or something like that, because you wish you, you know, had had more uh, to read or could go on with the story. Um, but uh, I uh, sure felt, you know, sad every time I had to move on to another biblical book. But then there was another one, you know, another biblical book to befriend. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really... Um, that was a labor of love uh, in that that Catholic introduction, and I'm I'm really happy that a lot of people have enjoyed it and um, and and said that they've profited from it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so just just a just a quick note on that. So when I was doing uh, some post uh, diaconate formation through the Archdiocese of Minneapolis and St. Paul, and they included uh, deacons from the diocese that I'm in now. Uh, that was one of the things that kind of head of formation brought up was this Catholic introduction to the Bible. I'd never heard of it. And I was like, what is this? 
and he said you all need to get this this is a great resource so that's where it came from uh so it i mean i didn't know what it was but now that i dove into it more deeply i was like oh yeah this is something that's very important right yeah one of the unique features is that uh we actually went through and at at the end of each chapter you know if we were dealing with something like first samuel we'd show all the places where it was used in the lectionary. And I love that. That's kind of like a no-brainer. You would think that every Catholic textbook would do that, but none of them do. And so we we took the lectionary seriously and and showed, okay, this is when it's used in the church year. This is when this biblical book is used and and this is why and and this is what it highlights and shows about what the church has embraced about this particular biblical book. And um that feature, I think, really has has uh, helped make it a helped sell it in in um, in seminaries and you know diaconal formation and so on because it's just so helpful to to see it laid out and see this is this is how it's going to actually be used and this is where and when you're going to actually preach this and um, you know I think that's important because ultimately uh, you know the the Bible was meant for proclamation. Uh, I really think there's what we call a liturgical telos to the Bible. I mean, the, the, the Bible was really compiled for the liturgy. If you if you literally do the um, the research on this, you find out that the canon, you know, we talk about the canon of Scripture. Yep. It was really compiled by the early bishops, uh, really in terms of the end of the 300s, as as a, a list of what you could read during mass that's literally what it was and, and that makes it so ironic then you know the way it's used in protestantism or certain protestant you know theologies yep. of scripture that are so de decontextualized from the liturgy but again th this is a book put together to be read when god's people came together to worship and it, it's always had that that purpose and um you know, although the, the, the contemporary lectionary is great, but I, I hope in the future, maybe in 100 years or something, we'll get uh, another uh, another lectionary cycle that will include even more readings, you know, because I feel bad that certain, uh, as good as the ABC cycle is, there's certain books that could be read a lot more. One of them is Song of Songs, yep. which was just read to death in the early church in the medieval period, and it just gets two readings. <laughs> Nowadays, it's just such a shame, uh, but uh, I would love to see a, a revision or something and, and have more readings from the from the from that, that beautiful love poem that really ultimately talks about uh, God's love for us. So I find that most folks that I talk to in the pews are bigger fans of the New Testament than the Old Testament. And I wonder sometimes if that's because the Old Testament's maybe harder to decipher or harder to understand. I would have said that I felt that way as well until I took, you know, many semesters of discussing these types of things at a at a master's level with with Phil and understanding more about the Old Testament and coming to love the Old Testament quite a bit. But from right. your books and from your position, what is it about the Old Testament? you know, that really, really speaks to you and that you think out of your works or just generally that people in the pews can really get out of the out of the Old Testament? Well, um, 
the the Old Testament is like the Wild West. Um, you know, it's wild and woolly. It's uncensored. It's unfiltered. Uh, a lot of a lot of politically incorrect stuff happens in the Old Testament. I just find it tremendously interesting. It's like you know, the New Testament is much more tame. Um, well, you know, the New Testament's great. You know, not, not not casting any shade on the New Testament, right? But it is it is more theologically tame, um, and uh, in in clear cut categories and so on, and uh, and just th there's just this sense of of uncontrolled adventure and romance about the Old Testament. You never know what's going to happen next, and I like that. Um, and, and it's of course it's also bigger covers a lot more time period, a lot more different cultures, uh, languages, civilizations. So I've always really loved the Old Testament. And it's it's such a the Old Testament is such a human book. It's so realistic. Um, the um, the characters we can, you know, I can relate to them. Uh, they they fight, they argue, they're jealous, they're envious. Uh, sometimes they want to kill each other. Sometimes they succeed in killing each other. You know, <laughs> and uh, I mean, this is this is reality. This is this is uh, uh, this is the human condition. And um, so that that passion, um, and the, yet always, you know, the the main thread of the story is always in always before the face of God, always in conversation with God. You know, so I think Abraham is like the paradigm figure of the Old Testament in many ways, um, walking with God in in a in a primitive age, um, you know, where a lot of a lot of stuff went down, where he had to fight to stay alive, um, where, um, you know, uh, your, your family living into the next generation was not a given uh, by any means. And, um, you know, the faith that he demonstrates um, and the maturity and the the theological, you know, the insight that he gets into God's nature and the life of prayer that he lives, um, you know, it continues to speak to us 3000 years later. And um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my my general impressions of the Old Testament. We can't, we can't forget, too, that the Psalms are in the Old Testament and everybody loves the Psalms. And uh, it's the most read book in mass, actually even more so than the Gospels is uh, the book of Psalms. It's just a kind of, yeah, and, and the church fathers looked at the Psalms as kind of a systematic survey of the human condition and human emotions, showing us how to, you know, live every situation in before the face of God. Um, St. Athanasius has a famous, really lengthy letter where he writes to one of his disciples and and gives him this long list of okay if you're angry read this psalm if you're sad read this psalm if you're happy read read this other one and he kind of correlates all the psalms with all the different you know emotional conditions that you can have and so i did a, a smaller version of that in my little book called psalm basics for catholics i call it my emoji guide to the psalms so i list about 25 emojis and then uh correlated those with different psalms uh, that you could read depending if you can relate to that situation that's a real gift i did not know about saint athanasius having that guide that's pretty amazing yeah 
So what about the Dead, the Dead Sea Scrolls, if I can get that out on an evening? So tell us a little bit more about that. I, I read it in your bio, you know, besides the Old Testament, very interested in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And what is, what is some of your work on that, your fascination with that, and, and your study on that? Yeah, so I came to the University of Notre Dame in 1999, and I uh, largely chose them as a graduate program because they had a gen generous fellowship offer. But when I got there, uh, I discovered that they were an international center for the study of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I had no background in the Dead Sea Scrolls and didn't understand why they were important or significant or anything. And in fact, after four years of taking classes in them, I still didn't understand why they were significant. And part of the problem was uh, I was, you know, the scrolls usually get are given to Old Testament scholars because they're written in Hebrew and the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. So usually OT scholars have better Hebrew. So, you know, they're given the scrolls to work on. But what I eventually realized after I started teaching at Franciscan University is that the relevance of the scrolls is really more geared toward the New Testament, because although they're written in Hebrew, they are written at the time of the events of the New Testament, uh, at least some of them. So, um, you know, this this monastery uh, on the shores of the Dead Sea that that left us its library, which is what we call the Dead Sea Scrolls. These uh, these Jewish monks were active at the time of John the Baptist and Jesus and St. Paul, etc. They were eventually wiped out at the same time that the city of Jerusalem was destroyed in the year 70. So um, it, it's absolutely fascinating when you compare uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls to the New Testament. One of the things that you discover is that many phrases uh, in the New Testament that we typically think are unique to, say, the Apostle John or to the Apostle Paul are actually found in their Hebrew form in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls often, you know, provide a bigger context for some of these phrases that we find, like works of the law or spirit of truth or sons of light and sons of darkness and so on. And uh, we see that St. John and St. Paul and, and the other authors as of the New Testament as well are authentically using, uh, you know, first century Jewish religious jargon, uh, theological terms that were current right in the time that these documents claimed to be from. And, um, you know, so it sets it into in, in a larger context. And, um, you know, it, it adds a lot of color uh, to our reading of the New Testament and, and um, illuminates uh, you know, what otherwise would seem to be really odd details. I'll give just one example, and there's dozens of examples, but in Mark 14, 51 and 52, we read that there's a young man following uh, the apostles into the Garden of Gethsemane, and when the guards show up, he uh, runs away and they grab his uh, single linen garment, and he sneaks out of his garment and runs away naked. It's just like bizarre. What's that all about? But uh, this this characteristic of wearing a single linen garment, that was actually how the Essene movement dressed. The Essenes were the third sect of Jews after the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They practiced monasticism. It was their monastery that left us the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that young man was an Essene. Tradition identifies him as uh, Mark, the author of the gospel itself. 
And later in Acts, we find out that Mark's mother owned uh, the property where the upper room was located. And so it makes a full circle that helps us figure out why it was that Mark was lurking around and, you know, followed the apostles out when they were done with the Last Supper. Uh, so anyway, this, you know, it's just um, it's it's from the Dead Sea Scrolls that we learn that um, that they only wore a single linen garment. Also from the archaeology of of that site where all we the only fabric that we've recovered from that site is actually linen. So it's just interesting, you know, confirmation of these little historical details that we find in the Gospels that adds, you know, greater cultural depth to uh, to our appreciation of the New Testament. Amazing, amazing. I, I, I have not dove in deeply as I'd like to into the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's that's on my list, um, but it's not in my here and now right now. <laughs> I did want to bring up the great podcast that I know you contribute weekly to the Letters from Home podcast. And I think that's a really great thing that everyone should just subscribe to and listen to, because I think no matter who you're hearing, you're hearing the scripture opened up and applicable to what's going on in their daily life. I, I just love the, the depth. Um, maybe it was a week and a half ago. I don't remember what it must have been a Wednesday, but although I don't know for sure, you gave just some great exegesis on what was in the scripture you know, what's going on in the culture, what's going on in the world, and how we apply that to our life. So, I mean, it comes up frequently. You know, I just, was it yesterday, I think, again? So, I mean, yeah, I, I love that Letters from Home. I think there's a, it's a great resource. Dr. Han's on there. Uh, I'm going to forget some of the other people. Ms. Clem Harold Watson. Yep, Cl Mr. Clem Harold, who we interviewed last Lent. Um, just, just uh, it's a really, it's a wealth of biblical exegesis to really help us break open the scripture for the daily readings and how do we apply that to our own lives and i just think it's a great resource so at the very least i just wanted to say thank you for being part of that uh because it's it's really good it really is good and beneficial yeah thanks deacon phil i appreciate your plug for that yeah i do the the wednesday and friday uh daily readings for that podcast and then the other five days of the week i think it's uh Clem Harold and Dr. Hahn and uh, boy, a few others that get into the mix on that. But yeah, we try to keep it to about 10 minutes and, you know, break open the scripture for the day. And uh, I really enjoy doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it's, you know, Holy Mother Church is trying to tell us something every day. And um, I, I have to be selective, you know, even with just the the simpler readings that you have on a weekday. Indeed. I can't do, touch everything there, but I usually have to pick out a few points. Um, but uh, it's it's really beneficial for me. Um, it's it's a form of devotion for myself. It's a form of lexio for mm -hmm. me to go into the recording studio and to face these texts and you know to ask the Holy Spirit for some insight, you know, into, into what I can share with with God's people about it. And um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that, you know, folks are appreciating it. And uh, yeah, if, if folks are interested, they can go to um, stpaulcenter.com. And uh, just like it sounds, no punctuation or anything, just stpaulcenter.com and uh, do a little search letters for home and they'll uh, within the website and they'll see where they can sign up for that and um, get that daily podcast on the daily readings. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So, 
final question for you, doctor, and thank you for joining us. Uh, wealth of knowledge, and we could go on for hours and hours talking these topics. But one final question for you. So you're teaching at uh, Franciscan University. You're doing a lot of different things. So what's the future? What what future works are you looking at? What what books? What other types of things? Where 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 are you going next? Yeah. Well. Uh, where am I going next? This summer, I'm going to the Holy Land. <laughs> so if anybody wants to come with me, um, leaving June 23rd for nine days, uh, you can check it out. There's still some slots left on my pilgrimage. Uh, it's johnbergsma.com or catholicbibleteacher.com. Uh, you can get the information if you'd like to come with me. It's kind of fun, nine days. I just teach scripture uh, at all the sites, and there's nothing like teaching scripture scripture at the site where it happened. It's just uh, it's just absolutely mind blowing. Um, but um, yeah, there's that. Um, but there's a lot of projects in the works. Um, I'm speaking with different publishers on, on different things. Just came out, literally released on Valentine's Day was my latest basics book, Love Basics for Catholics uh, from Ave Maria Press. Um, and that traces the theme of love and marriage from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, it can serve as a good intro to the Bible um, for folks that you know haven't seriously read the Bible before, because the theme of love and marriage and covenant, because marriage is a covenant, is really quite central. You can really tell the whole Bible story from that perspective. Um, and it's also good for, uh, well, for everybody, for married people, for people that think they might get married someday, and um, for people that want to fall more in love with Jesus, you know, so um, it's a fun little book, uh, complete with the stick figures, of course, uh, that are my trademark MO. <laughs> Indeed. And, yeah, so that's, that's out. And I'm talking with... Um, with different publishers about doing a book on John the Baptist, for example. Um, I have a chapter on John the Baptist in my uh, Dead Sea Scrolls book, and uh, he's a great saint. And if you look in church history, um, he he gets more more attention than anybody uh, save the Lord and uh, the Blessed Mother. Um, after them, it's uh, John the Baptist. You know, nowadays in America, we usually have in churches, you know, Mary on one side and St. Joseph on the other. But the older tradition was really Mary on one side and John the Baptist on the other. Um, and you find that in, in a lot of uh, older European churches. Um, you know, his feast day is, uh, you know, June 25th, you know, right in the middle of the church year, kind of to to be the moon to Jesus's son, if you will, you know, kind of reflect uh, between Christmases there. You have his, his, uh, his solemnity and uh, that in so many different ways, um, the church really has had a lot of devotion uh, to John the Baptist. And um, so I'm thinking about, yeah, writing a little book on him to kind of bring him back into people's attention and revive attention. He's very much a saint for our day. You know, he died for the truth about marriage. And uh, boy, <laughs> you, you speak the truth about marriage nowadays, you might get your, your head cut off as well. Uh, so he's uh, really a, a saint for the modern day. And yeah, some other things, a book on fatherhood based on the, the, um, the patriarchs in the Old Testament. And um, yeah, so there's other projects in the work, a commentary in the book of Deuteronomy is in the works. Um, so I really got 
yeah, about a decade worth of work <laughs> piled up <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's amazing. So yeah. it must have been on one of your letters from home when you talked about devotion to John St. John the Baptist, and then we should all grow in a greater devotion. I'm sure of it, uh, yeah. because that's something I've been asking St. John the Baptist, especially help me through Lent, you know, as we make these, yeah. you know, sacrifices that are really small in the grand scheme of things, but we make these little sacrifices and just asking that St. John the Baptist help me walk along and be courageous in that path. So I appreciate that exposure. I think that's so important for our culture today, because I think any denial in our culture today can be seen as, you know, like we're giving up a whole appendage or something. So I think it's so important to look at St. John the Baptist as a great model, uh, both for marriage and our culture, how we can stand up and be steadfast and rely on him for his intercession and courage. Yeah, absolutely. Total, total agreement. Yeah, I really, you know, our little mortifications uh, don't compare to no, <laughs> the, no. the hair garment and living off of un, uncooked parts of the environment that you can chew. You know, it's crazy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but he was a great man. So I just wanted to touch on this one thing last. It was just announced yesterday was this Emmaus Academy from St. Paul Center. Um, I, you know, I listened to the reveal. Uh, we had family faith formation last night, so I wasn't able to watch it live. But the St. Paul Center Emmaus Academy uh, will have links in the description for everything that uh, Dr. Bergsman has mentioned. And then this, as, as well as many other things, the Letters for Home direct link as well. Um, but if you just want to give just a brief two, three minute, maybe or less introduction on what this new academy is and how people can really grow in this little bite sized portions of of whatever whatever subject that interests them, that speaks to them and, and they can dive into that as deeply as they'd like or go into a kind of, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep kind of if they want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Emmaus Academy is an online initiative of the St. Paul Center that we just released last night and um, it's it's a single place online where you can get all of the resources of the St. Paul Center, all of our legacy resources, you know, recorded talks going back decades, um, videos of of presentations, um, Bible studies, um, video Bible studies, you know, like the um, uh, the the fathers in the Bible or Mary in the Bible and so on. But then a new a new element that we're releasing through Emmaus Academy is complete uh, online courses in different subjects. So I did an online course um, about, you know, uh, 12 hours long on um, the Gospels uh, that folks can access through uh, Emmaus Academy. Um, Mike Aquilina, my good friend, famous author, colleague, he did something on the Church Fathers, which is a, a wheelhouse of his. Uh, my good friend Mike Cirilla did one on on the magisterium. What is the magisterium? We use that term a lot. He's an expert on that subject. We got Father Boniface Hicks uh, doing um, a short course on spirituality. Um, we've got um, short courses on, you know, women in the Bible, just a whole gamut of stuff by Kimberly Hahn and whole host of, uh, you know, just expert teachers, some of the best teachers um, and um, theologians and so on. Uh, Larry Feingold down at Kenrick Glennon, he's just an expert on the sacraments, just amazing, amazing teacher. Um, has a, a couple of short courses on various uh, sacraments in here. People are just going to love it and learn so much. It's a great alternative to the other media out there. If 
if some days you're tempted to throw up your hands and say, all oh, the media is it's nothing but trash nowadays, then subscribe to Maze Academy. And uh, there's so much upbuilding stuff on there. Um, it, uh, it justifies the existence of the internet. <laughs> I like that very much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Phil, do you have any other questions you'd like to ask the doctor? I think we've covered a lot of areas. We have, we've covered a lot. No, uh, Dr. He's Bergman, given us I, a lot of time. Yes, he has, and I, I sincerely appreciate it. I just uh, thank you for just being open to the Holy Spirit and just taking on all of these all, all of these different ventures, the, the directions that the way the Holy Spirit's really led you and these gifts you've given to us in the church. So. Thank you for your work, your yes to the Lord, and just being open to how he's moving. And uh, we just uh, pray that the, continue, the Lord continue to bless you, bless your work, and that more and more people would just be open to how God is speaking to them through the scripture, through the church. And so thank you very much for all you have done and will continue to do. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and uh, sharing your platform with me. And, Absolutely. you know, uh, you're doing great work in Minnesota. Uh, more power to you. <laughs> We're trying. Bless you guys. God bless you. Right. Thank you. Thank you, uh, doctor. You bet. Bye bye. Have a good night. Uh -huh. And we're back with just me and Phil. We are back. Yep. Uh, apparently, Deacon Terry couldn't join us today, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what to say oh, about that. But a Terry uh, show. Yeah. So I. I just. What I, I'm super impressed by everything Dr. Bergsman has done. I did have more yeah, questions from the audience that came in, sure. but we'd already had them for 40 minutes and we were yeah, over time. So, right. so I Absolutely. wasn't able to get those. I will probably email those questions to him to see if sure. I can get a response and attach them to the show notes Absolutely. if possible. Sure. But yeah, I just, thanks Bob for joining me today. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great to be back. Amen. Be back as part of the uh, Strange Catholics uh, Lenten interview series of, you know, just, incredible Catholic leaders across the country and hopefully across the world at some point. Amen. Satisfy our worldwide audience. As I come to you from this snowy area that I'm in right now. Not as snowy as it is in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a picture from Minnesota, actually. It might be. Yeah. So yeah. folks, if you're not watching us, you can watch us on YouTube or Spotify. Of course, subscribe, like, do all those things that you normally would do that we would always ask you to do. Our podcast is no longer monetized a penny per episode like it used to be, but uh, we just appreciate you listening. We just hope that the Lord blesses your Lenten journey. And if there's any topics, any guests you'd like us to have on, please don't hesitate to reach out to strangecatholicspot at gmail.com. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, please, please join. Please tell people about our podcast. You know, we're we'll be completely honest with you. You know, we took a break. We took a break. Um, life gets in the way of podcasting. Amen. And yeah, and you know, we we made a concerted effort. Uh, Phil has done incredible work to line up some great guests for this Lenten series. We're going to release that, and we hope to get back on a regular schedule and provide you with the best quality Catholic content, at least from the strange perspective that we can. Amen. Yes, yeah, totally. That's what we're to totally trying to do. So, just a little teaser. Uh, so Dr. John Bergsma will, it'll release the third week of Lent, and then the first week of Easter, we will have Dr. Scott Hahn on. So 
just letting people know what's happening. That'll be an audio only interview. You'll still be able to watch us, Bob and Deacon Terry, uh, but it'll just be us on video. Uh, Dr. Han will be audio, but you know, just again, stay tuned, share with your friends, your family. We're going to have more exciting content coming up in the weeks to come as well as we round out this Lenten sojourn through the desert. That is correct. And we thank everyone for their support. And until next time, I can't point it. I can't point it, Terry, because he's, he's not, not here. here. So I'll just say it to Phil. Love you, brother. Love you, brother.